0: Hello and welcome again to the famous CFC podcast where each episode offers a deep dive into the wonderful history of Chelsea Football Club. My name's Gary Brown and I'm joined as usual by club historian Rick Lanville. All right, mate. I'm very well, thank you. Now today, we're going to fill in another chapter of the untold story of Chelsea women. Previously, we spoke to the wonderful Pat Budd, who was a player and coach of the first incarnation what was then Chelsea Ladies, a club founded straight after the FA ban on women playing football, which wasn't lifted until 1971. Mad. Now, now Pat took us up to the early 1990s and the struggles she faced as a club tried to measure up for elite level football. Now we have Tony Farmer, another crucial figure in the story from 1992 to
1: 1997. Yes, indeed, Gary. And we will meet the fantastic Tony uh, very soon. He set up the team, helped them win leagues and cups, nurtured amazing talents who would become international stars, and secured firm connections with the men's club for the first time. So without more ado, let's
0: get into that interview. Tony, we're delighted to welcome you to the famous CFC to discuss the amazing 90s part of the Chelsea women's story. But first, a bit about yourself. Can you explain your role to the listeners and when and why you became involved? Um
2: basically I was running I was involved with Crystal Palace ladies. Um uh, they were called Palace Eagles at the time. And um it was through my girlfriend who's now my wife. Um I took her along and to be honest, I went with trepidation. Um I'd never really sort of entertained women's football. And within a couple of training sessions, I was like blown away by the dedication of the players and how much they wanted to learn. Um, got invited to help with coaching and ended up managing the side. Uh, so, uh, But it all, then, it all then got a little bit political. Um, Palace had been approached by, I think it was Millwall, who had fallen out with Millwall and wanted to move lock, stock and barrel to Palace, uh, which after what we'd done in the previous couple of seasons, I thought was a little bit out of order. What year was this, by the way, Tony? Uh, that would have been 89, 90. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, been a Chelsea sport all my life, uh, there was Good the man. Chelsea side, Pat Bud, uh, but I double-checked and triple-checked with Chelsea that there was no official connection and approached Chelsea regarding starting the side. Uh, at first, they were a little bit dubious. Uh, took a year of negotiations and I had to go off and get my coaching badge, et cetera, and uh, then they finally agreed to, to run with it. So,
1: Who was that at the club that was that you were in contact with, Tony, back in, that was 92, 93, or rather? 91, yeah, 91. Um, originally, it was Keith
2: Lacey, who was oh, yeah. a safety officer yeah. at the time, and um, then obviously it went on with Colin Hutchinson, we Had a couple of meetings or introductions with Ken Bates, but the bulk of it was Keith and Colin. So, um, Keith was well up for it, and uh, Colin seemed quite happy to listen to what we had to say. So, uh, yeah, it all took off from there. I mean, it was, I mean, Chelsea was obviously a very different club then. So, having been a supporter for as long as I have, um, I mean, obviously at that time. You still had to save the bridge pins and yeah. all sorts of stuff going on at chelsea so i knew going and approaching chelsea and saying i want some money to be able to start running a women's team was never ever going to happen so i said to them we'll fund it the help we want is publicity um maybe some help with some kit and uh, that was it so uh I think that finally convinced them (laughs) that it wasn't going to be me sort of knocking on their door going, I need money for this. I need money for that. So, uh, so
1: yeah, it it took off from there. So basically uh, as soon as they heard that it was going to be not cost them anything, they they were interested. (laughs) Well, I think,
2: I I think it was important at that stage because obviously the club was struggling um, financially. Um, So, like I say, being a Chelsea supporter, I knew that that was never, ever going to happen. Um, or not at that stage anyway. You know, to go to Ken Bates and say, give me some of your money. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine what would have happened. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think they were just, I mean, it's like I say, it took a year. I, I think they wanted to sort of see how sort of dedicated I was to it. And, yeah. you know, if they put a few hoops there, whether I'd jump through them. And, uh I did obviously and uh, succeeded in uh, getting the go
1: ahead. Well, look, before we get into a bit more detail about, the, about this history, which really from sort of 92 to 97 was your involvement, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, let's not forget that some important figures in the women's game used the Chelsea women platform that you set up in the 1990s, like Casey Stoney, Farrah Williams, Claire Wheatley, who are fully yeah. England internationals, of course, Julie Newell. Uh, Siobhan Chamberlain, Bertha Pound, Permie Juhuti, Emily Stranghorn. I mean, there's some good names in there. What was your strategy for recruiting and nurturing such ability? How did you go about it?
2: Basically, what happened was when I left Palace, so the year that um, I was having negotiations with Chelsea, I was coaching a team called Bedfont United, Mm. and uh, they were just basically... um, a team set up by a bunch of girls and women. They had no backing. They had no sort of real official connection to Bedfont or anything like that. That was just a name. So they had some good players there. And obviously to go to Chelsea, I couldn't just go to Chelsea and say, I'm applying to go into the league. We haven't got a team. We haven't got players. So I spoke with them. I was quite clear with them all the way through that my intention was to start the Chelsea women's team. And we had discussions and a lot of them said, yep, yeah, we're we're in, we're up for it. So um I mean Julie Newell, for instance, um, I think she was 13 at the time. So I had to go and approach her mother to see if she would be willing to let her play at that level, um, and then approach the league to see whether they'd give us permission for her to play, even because of her age. So from that point of view, that's where Julie came in. Um we we advertised, we advertised, well, Chelsea put a, an advert, in the, well, not an advert, an article in the programme um, saying that we've started the team, contact details, etc. So we got quite a few people through that. Um, Casey joined a couple of seasons later. Um, a friend of mine, where I worked, um, basically came into work one day and said, I was walking the dog and there's a little league playing um, mm. and there's a girl you want to go and see. So. <laughs> I went over there and she stood out straight away. So, again, I mean, I think she was 13. So, again, I had to approach her mum, go for all the league thing again. And that's where Casey came on board. So uh, Farrah Farrah came in where we started the juniors. She came from, um, I think she was playing for, I can't remember, Wimbledon or Fulham. Um, But she was another year or so younger. So I didn't have that much involvement with Farrah. Because we had we started the under fourteens by then, so she was with the under fourteens.
1: When did you start the under-fourteens? Can you can you remember what year that was?
2: That would have been our second season.
1: Oh, okay. 93-94. Yeah. We
2: we started the first season with basically just a first team. Um, then we put a reserve team in the following season and an
1: under fourteens and it, it went from there. That's amazing. That, the progress, rapid progress that you made.
2: It <laughs> it was it took me by surprise because when we did our first training sessions, um, obviously with the adverts going into the programme, we had a lot of people turn up and I think some of them turned up thinking, oh, we're going to get free tickets to Chelsea, we're going to go to Chelsea, matches, and all <laughs> the rest of it. So you had to slowly whittle them down. We didn't have great training facilities because we didn't have any any money. Um, we were basically paying for it all out of our own pockets and from player subscriptions. So, I mean, our first training sessions were at Cranford, which were on a, the old Redgras pitch, which are the ideal. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we whittled it down. We had a squad of about 25, um, but it was growing. Uh, we started to get more players coming along who understood it was going to be a football team, not a social thing, and, and not a freebie to go to Chelsea. So, obviously, we launched a reserve team as well. So... It was it was great. I mean, we could have got promoted. We should have got promoted our first season. Um, we missed out by, I think it was goal difference in the end or one point, And that was down to lack of experience, really. A yeah. um, lot of young players playing senior football who had never played senior football before. So obviously the second season, it gelled. We went unbeaten in the league and uh, it all took off from there, really.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely marvellous, Tony. I actually remember an article with a men's match day programme in the 92-93 season that went, at last, the official Chelsea women's football team, <laughs> we will show that women can play football just as well as the men. Well, that was Ian Portlandfield side, so that wasn't <laughs> probably the greatest compliment that anyone's ever paid. No, no. I,
2: I mean, it was, it, I obviously, I, uh, I met with Neil Barnett, and Neil was great. He used to promote the women's team at every opportunity, but. Um, yeah, I was. I think I was misquoted on a couple of things when when I came out and said uh, the women could play as well as the men. Um, you know, that wasn't that wasn't trying to go look at the women's team. They're fantastic because obviously we weren't at that at that stage. Mm. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the day I opened a program, i was sitting sitting in the west stand and opened a program. There's my face staring back at me. <laughs> and it, I think it was something like we're on the march with Tony's army. I like it. I'm sitting there and I'm cringing. I'm like, <laughs> trying to hide. You know, it was all so new. So, um, so yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we try, we, I mean, my whole... I mean, I, I've been a Chelsea supporter since as long as I can remember. Um, but the 74 World Cup, I watched and watched the Holland side.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was obviously the total football side with Cruyff, etc.
1: Nice games, and, yeah.
2: Yeah, I literally sat there and I'm like, what is this? This is a different style of football, completely. And it was something that always stuck with me. And when I coached, that was the sort of style of football I wanted to coach. So we were different in what we tried to do to a lot of the women's teams in those days, you know.
1: And different different to Porterfield's team.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I must admit, I used to go over to Harlington and watch the training sometimes. I think, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to, I mean, some of the things you used to see were like, just get across into the middle, don't even look up, he was saying to play. And you're like, well, you need to look up and see if there's someone in there. Yeah, no it
0: point, helps.
2: <laughs> no, point, no point putting a cross up to the near post if there's no one there. So, um, but, but no, nah, I mean, they were great days, you know.
0: We'll be back with more from the Chelsea story after this short break.
3: Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you are bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus servers, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London You can receive a huge discount on a two year plan with one month free we all love to binge but privacy is a big deal too NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your ip or location getting out they've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware even if you download an infected file threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer don't forget there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee give it a try and if you like it great if you don't they'll issue a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened check it out my link nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today
0: and tony how long after that were you actually could you first start asking about facilities and funding
2: well we didn't we the end of the second season um like i say we went unbeaten in the league we we knocked a couple of higher higher division sides out of cups etc our reserve team finished runners-up and they were getting promoted as well. And we asked if we could do a, a walk-around at Stamford Bridge on the last day of the season, but I think it was the Sheffield United game oh. where Sheffield United ended up getting relegated, so he didn't want to do it at that one. Yes. So we we did it, at, I think it was Coventry, at half-time midweek. And um some of the girls were scared stiff, to be honest. Um They were... They were worried about some of the reception they might get. The old, uh, I'm sure you can imagine the sort yes. of songs that Rocky fans were singing back then, sexist um,
1: stuff from the yeah, terraces. Yeah. But I suppose also, what what they wouldn't know what reaction would they? I mean, it no. might it would be bad just to be ignored if no one clapped or something, you know. No,
2: I didn't. I didn't know what reception we were going to get. Um, you know, they were all worried about the old oh, get the yeah songs and all this sort of stuff. No. And we went around the pitch and virtually all four sides we got standing ovation yeah and you know what kevin used to be like as soon as a halftime whistle went it'd disappear into the uh director's bar and stuff and uh as we we're walking around and coming back round to the east end i've noticed Ken Bates standing there in the front row on his on the middle tier uh watching what was going on and
1: uh interesting
2: about a week or so later, I got a phone call from Keith saying, can you come up for a meeting with him and Colin and went up there and he basically turned around and said, you know, you've done brilliant. We we, we love what you're doing. Um, we'd like to give you a budget. So it wasn't an actual, here's the money. It was like, you've got a 3000 pound budget. You can all just set it up so you can order stuff through Umbro Um if you want money towards the pitches out the 3000 let us know we'll write a check etc and uh i couldn't believe it i mean you know to go from nothing to being given money after two seasons and i mean 3000 might not sound a lot but when you're charging the players like two pound subs and that's got to pay for your pitches travel etc kits, um it was most welcome i I mean i remember being in the meeting and Colin. Colin said yeah well, well you've got that 3000 pound now and I said well thank Ken and he went Ken doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> and I went I went, does that mean it's not happening he went no Ken doesn't know yet he said I'll tell him <laughs> so I mean I walked out of there and I couldn't believe that that we've got to that stage already I mean I must give a mention um to some of the people who kept us going through those Yeah first go ahead
1: of yeah
2: I mean. I mean, I don't know if you, do you remember Booth White had a box at Chelsea? Yes.
1: And yeah. Um, Spon- match, bon- match day sponsors and stuff, weren't they? Sometimes. That's right, and they were tremendous. Absolute.
2: I mean, unfortunately, he's sadly no longer with us, but I got used to get invited up into the box, and he used to basically hold his guest prisoner <laughs> until he, until they did some sponsorship of, of one form or another, whether it be a player kit sponsorship or whatever. You know, he, he was amazing, absolutely amazing. And also Ashley Rolf, who you may oh, yeah. know. Yeah. Um, they
1: they big they supporter of women's football, yeah.
2: I mean, I mean they came on and sponsored us. I mean, our first season we got sponsorship through ARG, a guy called Gary Field, who um, yeah, they sponsored us our first season. And the Chelsea Independent were brilliant. The, they, they used to donate money and kid sponsorships and bit sponsor a match. And even, do you remember Gary Williams? Used to do yeah. Gary's coaches? I mean, and Gary got involved. So it was brilliant from that side because the support, supporters were buying into it. I mean, we used to sell the, the gold and gold tickets at the back of the West End. Um, like
1: the lottery stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. the
2: lottery stuff. I mean, yeah. I think they were a pound a ticket and we got, I think 5p a ticket we sold. And if it was a winning <laughs> ticket, we'd get like £10 or something. And um, I, I remember the girls standing, selling the tickets. And then one of them came over to me and went, did you hear what that, they just said? And I went, no. And she went, one of the one of the supporters turned around the other one and went, who are they? Because we used to be up there in the track scenes, et cetera. Mm, yeah.
1: and,
2: and one of them, to, and the guy responded by saying, that's our women's team. Mm. And the effect it had on that girl, she was mm. like, they're saying we belong to mm. the club. And it was it was like a transitional moment for some of them. They mm. suddenly felt they were properly accepted, you know, as being part of Chelsea. So, I mean, the sports were great. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you remember back, was it, I can't remember whether it was Onside or Chelsea News at that time. And when that first oh, start started, was
1: 93, yeah.
2: Yeah, so when that first article came out um, in the programme about the women's team, there were letters in there saying it's a disgrace, you know, you shouldn't have a women's team, it will never amount to anything, it will be an embarrassment to the club. <laughs> and uh, we sort of changed that view in the space of a couple of seasons. So, you mm-hmm. know, from that point, because the whole thing was behind starting up the team, it wasn't just um, having a women's team. I know it's going to sound a bit sort of big, but it was trying to change the attitude of people to Chelsea Football Club. I mean, I had a meeting with Colin Hutchinson, and um, I mean, I loved Colin. I mean, I know a lot of people were scared of Colin, (laughs) but once you knew Colin, he had a terrific sense of humour.
1: Oh, he did.
2: Very (laughs) Very dry. (laughs) And um, we sat in a meeting, and he said, okay, he said, what would you change about Chelsea if you could change anything? And I said... I'd add two letters to Chelsea's alphabet. And he looked at me and he went, what? <laughs> and I went, well, add two letters. He went, what are you talking about? I went, P and R. And he went, oh. <laughs> And I went, well, there's no P and R in the Chelsea alphabet. And he went, what do you mean? I said, well, I open newspapers and I see stuff about Tottenham or Arsenal or whoever, their players going to hospitals at Christmas and taking gifts <laughs> and doing Sorry, stuff. Try. I said, all you ever see about Chelsea is either Ken Bates having an argument with someone, or our fans, yeah. the, the reputation they had at their time, racist stuff, and all this.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I, I said it's about not just about being successful; it's about making Chelsea more a family orientated club. Brilliant. And uh, and yeah, he, he, he got it, you know. And um, so it was it was trying to build play it on the community side as well as the football side, you know, to be part of a community rather than just just a team.
1: And I know and I know Tony that um Sean Gore, who I, I know very well, uh he was well, it's now the Chelsea Foundation, but he was football in the community back yeah. in the in the 90s, wasn't he? He was a big backer of the women's team as well. And yeah. um tried to take it off a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> right okay <laughs> Well, well, we'll go to that. I know. You, I think he wanted a team of Chelsea supporters rather than a sort of competitive. Well, oh, no, that was, that was Ken. Oh, Ken was it? Right. Sorry. Sorry, Sean. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah,
2: that was that was Ken, and um, he basically, you know, when I had the meeting with him just before it all got the go ahead, and he was like, "Well, you know, we want a Chelsea supporters team," and I went, "Well, why would you want a Chelsea supporters team?" Because I said, when you sign players. They're not Chelsea supporters. You, you sign the best players and you bring through the best players you can.
1: Yeah.
2: And I basically turned around and said, if you want to support a team, then I'm not the person to do it because I don't want a social team. I want a team that can promote the club but also be successful. Because obviously, if you're going to try and sell the idea of Chelsea, whether you sell it as trying to change the image or build the community or whatever, you're not going to get the support if a team's going out and getting tonked every week. No, you exactly. Know, in, in the Chelsea name, you have to be competitive. So, yeah, he, he sort of got that and Colin agreed. <laughs> so I tended to find if Colin said, we're going to do this, it yeah. happened.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I suppose the other thing, the that, that little battle that you had with Ken was over the name, because I think you wanted Chelsea women and he wanted Chelsea ladies. Well, we started off as
2: Chelsea women uh, for the, up until 95, um, 96. Uh well ninety six actually when it was the um, Eurofest and we yeah. played the match at the bridge and I think I sent you the the clipping we'll, we'll put the R program we'll put them up. He, yeah, he basically changed the name of the club <laughs> you know? Oh and that was said, the
1: first you heard of it? Pretty much, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. It, was, it was like it was like, well, they should be called ladies. And I went, Well, why? They're, they're not ladies, they're girls and women, you know. I said Quite ladies. Right. Well said. Today, ladies is quite sort of, you know, lady this and lady that. I Demure and not,
1: fragrance, yeah,
2: yeah. You know, as they're girls and women, but um, you know, we weren't in a position where I could turn around again and go no. So it sort of transpired, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, often I used to stick up Ken, but I thought that's not really a battle worth having, to be quite honest. Yeah. You know. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, we were never called Chelsea Ladies or such. It was Chelsea LFC or Chelsea WFC, so it didn't make that much difference, and I didn't get any objection, real objections off the players, so it went with it, you know.
1: There was one question I did. I was intrigued to ask you. The current women's club are pioneers in adapting the game to women's health. Did you have any women involved in the club in the 1990s and were they making the case for a different approach to men's football? Because I know you're progressive in that respect. I just wonder what you thought.
2: We tried to, I mean, a couple of times when players got injured, Julie got a bad injury and uh, I managed to get her up to Bob Ward for physio, et cetera. So we we were working on that sort of side of things. Uh, Dennis Wise had his own personal trainer, um, and he used to train down at Kingstonians, and we brought her on board. She was like a proper physio and fitness trainer. So we were we were trying to do things that no other club were really doing at the time. Uh, I mean, the whole the whole thing was to try and be as professional as we possibly could. I mean, I don't know if you saw the programmes we used to produce. Um,
1: yeah.
2: Neil Barnett got the hump one, hum one year because. They used to be entered in because you got entered into the county competitions and uh, we beat them to the program of the year. <laughs> so he wasn't best pleased about that.
1: Well, I was a program contributor, so you beat me as well. well I, mean, I don't
2: know any other, any other women's team that was producing. I mean, we were producing sort of up to 32 page programs, color covers, photos, relevant articles and all the rest of it. So it, we were trying to build everything to be as professional as we could. Um, I mean, as far as affording physios and that sort of side of the game, you couldn't do it in those days. It was just not the money involved, you know. Um, Dave, I mean, if you, ever, if you ever get an opportunity to speak to Dave, because it moved on quite rapidly and... Um, I think Chelsea gave them £40,000 or something because they set up the academy and everything. And that enabled them to then have match day physios, proper match day physios and stuff like that. So it all moved on. But um, those first five years, no, <laughs> it, it was it was a struggle, not a struggle, but the amount of time that the players gave. I mean, we were at one stage for we training three nights a week. They were paying two pound a night to, play, to train three nights a week, including including a Friday night. And when I look back on it now, asking girls and women from sort of 14, 15 years of age up to 30 odd to come out and train on a Friday night and them do it is quite remarkable, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah. It, but no, I mean, we hadn't got to that stage by the time I sort of stepped away from it.
0: We'll be back with more from the Chelsea story after this short break. So, Tony, the team had to start right at the bottom. So give us a brief timeline of Chelsea women, Chelsea ladies, in terms of progress up the league pyramid and any success in cups. So if you like, you can give us a, a silverware count. We don't mind.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> there actually wasn't that much silverware other than through the league. Um, we got to a couple that of counts. cups. That That's big. <laughs> yeah? Oh, well, yeah, of course. But um, we... we We basically started in the fourth division of the Greater London League. Um, So you had great, you had that through to Premier. And um, like I say, we missed out on promotion the first season, second season undefeated, and uh, we were going to get promoted to the second. But the the women's game was quite different then because you had a lot of clubs that were quite content with where they were and they didn't want the next challenge. So what happened was the teams that could have been promoted from the second to the first turned it down. They didn't want to be promoted. So they then offered it to other teams in the division. No one wanted it. And so they came to us and went, would you be interested? And my, my instinct straight away was 100%. But obviously, I then had to go and convince the players. And basically, I mean, the players weren't sure. But I said, well, the worst that can happen is we play a season in the, in the first and get relegated. And then we'll be back in the second where we would have been anyway. So um we jumped it, took the gamble. <laughs> and uh, obviously that helped us attract a couple of players and made us a little bit stronger. And obviously we then went and got promoted again So <laughs> the following season. So that was quite remarkable. I mean, when... I took on the challenge of going up two divisions. I certainly didn't expect us to get promoted again the following season. But uh, the players, because we had, I think by that time, we had about six, seven players who were sort of 14, 15, 16. And obviously they were learning quicker and starting to replace some of the older players who didn't, who might have played for longer, but weren't as skilled, let me put it that way. Um, because obviously the younger players were starting to be able to play at school and stuff like that as well. So um so yeah, it 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 worked out very well. I mean, we got to we got to two county cup finals and played Wembley in both of them. And I mean, one of the seasons, I think they'd won the FA Cup the previous season. So it was a massive step up for for us. And I think we lost one of them 2-1 and the second one 1-0. Mm-hmm. So and I mean, at the time, the people from the Middlesex FA were saying they were the best cup, county cup finals they'd ever had in the in the women's section. So, um, you know, to, to, I mean, when we lost 2-1, I think they scored the winner in about the 85th minute. So, I mean, it was a, it was quite a remarkable. I mean, it's a big jump going from I mean, I think we were in the second division, then first division, to playing a team that had won the FA Cup. So, it's a big gap, you know, you're talking very experienced players. But we gave them a hell of a game. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we we, we we got promoted in a, what, 93, 94. The reserves got promoted. The reserves got promoted again the following season. We got promoted again the following season. Um, County Cup finals. The juniors got to a cup final in their first season. And yeah, I mean it was it was it was quite remarkable progress from where we started, that like, with about ten players on a red grass pitch, to winning trophies and all that in such a short space of time. Yeah. I mean Vic Hakers, who was at Arsenal, yeah. the Arsenal, manager, And I mean, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a legend in women's football, to be quite honest, what he achieved with Arsenal. But they had massive backing at Arsenal, and he turned around to me at a league meeting, and I can't remember what it was might have been 95 or 96. And said, we're going to do our damnedest to stop you from getting into the the Premier League and the National League. (laughs) And he said, don't take that as an insult. He said, but there's other clubs, Wimbledon, Fulham, uh, Tottenham and others. He said, they've been around years. There are natural rivals. He said, you've appeared on the scene. He said, and the speed that you've got to where you've got to. He said, at the moment, we can pretty much pick... Players from the whole of London. He said, "If you get to the level you want, you're aiming to get at." He said, "You're cutting London in half." He said, "Our wow. oh, catchment, going to be halved." He said, "So take it as a compliment." He said, "I don't mean it on a personal basis." So, I mean, I did take it as a compliment. Because oh, from
1: Vic Acres, as you say, legend yeah. in the women's game. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I mean, when I started, I mean, the aim was to emulate our, or be able to compete with Arsenal. Doncaster Bells, who were massive in those days, a very good side, Uh, Fulham, and that—that was the target I set right from the start to to compete against those clubs. So to have one of those clubs go in, actually, we fear you a
1: little bit, was quite a compliment, you know. So you'd had all this progress through the league, and you're, you know, you're developing the whole club culture, and you're nurturing this talent, and great success on the. Uh, in competitive environment but i suppose in some ways the culmination of all your work uh the whole thing of, you know representing chelsea football club might be when you the the women's team played middlesbrough women on the fa cup 1997 fa cup final day that was
2: that, that was mad i i mean going back a couple of years I mean, when I knew we'd really become part of Chelsea is when they basically turned around and said, you've got the keys to Stamford Bridge for the day to play a match. And I was like, wow. And myself and Dave Impert, who I think I mentioned to you earlier.
1: The club secretary, Dave Impert, yeah.
2: I mean, it started off, we were going to play a match and then we went, well, let's have a reserve match as well. And then we thought, well, let's have some supporter involvement. So we, we arranged to support us by side. We had the little league that Casey had come from because, again, we're looking at input into a junior side. So we had them up there playing. So we turned it into a whole day. But Dave and I were at Stamford Bridge at 8 o'clock in the morning, playing free and in in front of what's now the hard, Matthew Harding stand. And you're like, wow, this is insane. You know, after two or three seasons, they've trusted us with the keys. <laughs> and we did a big charity day that day for the Royal and Children's Unit. And then obviously the following season, Eurofest, we got invited to play at that. But Wembley was something else, yeah. You know, um, it was mad. I, I I, still to this day cannot believe that I walked out at Wembley Stadium, led a, let a Chelsea team out at Wembley Stadium on FA Cup final day. And I was sitting in the in the seat that Hunt's going to sit in an hour or two later. And I've got amazing photos where the Chelsea team came out and they were walking around the pitch and our game was going on and they're standing there watching it. And you've got all these names, you know, all suited and moody watching. And we scored and you've got players with their arms up in the air. Amazing. And uh, yeah, it was it. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable experience. You know,
0: it must have been brilliant, Tony. So talking to Wembley um, now on Sunday, Tony, Emma Hayes team take on Arsenal in the Conti Cup final. So, what yeah. do you think Emma's brought to the team and a game that was lacking before? I think
2: everything to be quite honest <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean she's gone in there and completely shook the club up you know she's she's requested or or knowing Emma probably demanded better facilities uh better staff et cetera healthcare. uh healthcare. you know that I mean, the game has stepped up massively from from when I was involved, and you know, it's now a professional outfit. You know, and she she has made it that professional outfit. You know, when when Chelsea got to the cup final against Bristol City, and I think Matt was Matt Beard was manager, and I don't think that club bears any relation to Chelsea Women as it is now, and that's all down to Emma. You know, Brilliant. she's gone. She's gone in there. I mean, someone asked me a good few years ago what I thought of Emma. And I said, if I'd gone back to when I stopped and said, what would you want in a Chelsea manager in the future? She's it. I mean, she gets the supporters. She gets the club. She loves the club. She loves the players. She'll battle for the players. She can be outspoken at times. People might not necessarily agree, but she's not scared to say what she thinks. I mean, my proudest moment, obviously, Wembley was just amazing. Yeah. But the photo I sent you with, from Wembley with the, the arch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, I went to the Cup Final. Um, I, it was a cup, it was a little while before I had a double hip replacement, so I was on crutches and everything, and I managed to get car parking under the walkway at Wembley, and you're looking up and it's got Chelsea women or Chelsea ladies, FA Cup winners. And it was, I must admit, I sat in a car and I shed a tear. because like, oh, Fair enough. To me, it was like, that was the moment where what we set out to do was achieved. You know, we'd won the FA Cup. The club had won the FA Cup. Obviously, they went on a bit later in the season to win the league as well. So you had the league and cup double. And that meant we were the best club in the country which is what we set out to do all those years earlier. And it was quite ironic. The day they won the league um, was the actual, I think it was the 25th anniversary of our first ever league game on that particular day. I mean, you couldn't write it really. And I understand that Emma actually um, spoke about that before they went out and played that day. So it was great, you know, but uh, yeah, very special to see Wembley Stadium lit up in Chelsea women. You know, you couldn't have dreamt all those years before so yeah that was very very special
1: <laughs> all right then tony i think we can let you go now and you can go and watch the football if you want but you've yeah. been a brilliant guest and we really appreciate you you sharing all of this stuff you know and i,
2: I love all the stuff the, the history that you do and oh, everything, so. you. it's been a real honor
1: you know oh no the honor's ours thank mate you okay all right, thank all right. thanks Talk very much tony day.
0: all right take care Well, Rick, I thought that was terrific. Um, (laughs) I really loved hearing from Tony. He must be so proud of everything he achieved. He spoke with such passion and he was so sincere about everything he was talking about. And he must just look back now at what this Chelsea women's side has done and think that he was truly part of that and helped, was part of the building blocks to make them achieve what they've achieved today. You know, what impresses me is how thorough and...
1: Authoritative he was about what he wanted to do and the way to do it, and he did it all properly. And you know the the whole thing of wanting to present a better outward looking face of the whole football club, showing that he wanted to embed the women's team into the game. And every I think all of his impulses are even back then in the early nineties were appropriate. And you have to say that uh, you know that without Tony and the others uh, that he that he mentioned in the 1990s, we might not be watching this brilliant, all-conquering Chelsea women's side thrash
0: Arsenal on Sunday in the Conti Cup final. Absolutely, looking forward to that. You've been listening to the famous CFC podcast with me, Gary Barone, and him, Rick Lanville, with very special thanks to our excellent guest, Tony Farmer. Now, if you like this show, please subscribe and spread the word. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, come on, you blues.